0: Hello, this is Comfort Blanket and I'm Joel Morris. I'm going to be talking to someone who makes cool stuff that I like, about some warm stuff that they like, a book or a TV show or a film or a record that they go back to again and again for comfort. This time I'm talking to Carrie Quinlan, actor and writer, about her love of Spider-Man. This is part two of our chat about Spider-Man, and so if you've not heard part one, go back find it on your podcast browsing area uh, and listen to that first because it'll make sense as we talk about what spider-man means to Carrie, what spider-man means to nervous teenagers what spider-man means to me what spider-man means to the world Uh, this is us chatting about spider-man
2: There's actually not much Spider-Man
0: in... In the MCU spider He's just there to be part of the game. And this brings us, I think, really interestingly to the newest version of Spider-Man that's come out.
2: The Spider-Verse. Which well, they've
0: started playing with the Spider-Verse. And this idea that there are a million Hugh Everett, Infinite Worlds, Spider-Men. And the new one, the newest one across the Spider-Verse, is all about how when this story is told, there are certain elements that always have to be in it. Yeah. And will always be in it because of that first 11 pages is so good that you're going to keep retelling it because yeah. it always works
2: so in, in yeah in both Spider-Verse movies so far that's been a, a big thing that the origin story gets told yeah. multiple times during yes. each movie and that's how, that, I mean that sounds like boring but they do it so beautifully it, it works perfectly
3: okay let's do this one last time yeah for real this time this is it my name is Miles Morales I was bitten by a radioactive spider and for like two days
2: I've been the one and only Spider-Man. I think you know the rest. But in the new one, they they establish that certain things are canon. Yeah. And in every Spider-Man story, there have to be these certain things. Yeah. And if that's missing, then there's a problem with the universe. Exactly. And things might implode.
0: You have a choice between saving one person and saving every world. And this implies something, I think, magical about this. Because people who don't like superheroes and don't understand how comics work and don't understand myth, who are dead inside, awful people, <laughs> who I will not be speaking to and they're not my friends, and they <laughs> bullied me at school. Those people who we dismiss, yeah. we discard them. What they don't understand is that they always go, how many of these films can you make? Or another Batman film, another Spider-Man film. You're doing more superhero films. And what you want to say in return, which they've answered beautifully Spider-Verse films, is yes. You can keep telling these stories because these aren't stories, they're myths. Yeah. And the point with the myth is it contains a certain set of elements that resonate and you can tell Goldilocks again and again and again because it will always teach you that message. Yeah. And these new Spider-Man films are about saying, look, the actual story we want, I mean, I know there's been a million Spider-Man comics, but even the sequels to the Spider-Man movies are diminishing returns. The real killer is always watching a kid wake up one day being a superhero. Yeah. That's the story we want to tell. And weirdly, the Spider-Verse films say, do you know what? Us telling it again and again and again, same as Robin Hood, same as Sherlock Holmes, same as Batman. Yeah. We will keep telling the story. Same as Hamlet. We will keep telling the story again and again and again because we get something out of it as human beings.
2: Yeah, it's all myth, as you say. And there's a reason why we have myths that are 5,000 years old. And a myth that came out last week.
0: Yeah, and it's really odd that pretentious people will say, oh, I'm really looking forward to the new adaptation of whatever, the new staging of Macbeth. Oh, this new book is inspired by the Iliad. And then go, why why do you keep making Spider-Man? For the same reasons. (laughs) What you haven't noticed is that there are modern myths and they are America's great uh, 20th century myths that they gave us with yeah, these stories.
2: That is their their gift to the world. Sp- Spider
0: Man is is one of the first His ones.
2: Shiny myths.
3: What are like some of the craziest villains that you guys have fought? Yeah, I fought a an alien made out of black goo once. Oh no way! I fought an alien too on Earth and in space. Oh yeah, he was purple. I want to fight an alien. I'm 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 still like that. You fought an alien in space. <sighs> I'm lame compared. Like I fought a Russian guy in a like a rhinoceros
2: machine. The diminishing returns are the here's a new villain. Yeah. Just throw you know throw it throwing him at a new villain. Yeah. Or her. Spider Gwen is it's fantastic. Fantastic in this film.
0: New film it opens up with her. It's all her story. Yeah. I love Spider Brilliant.
2: Gwen. She's she's fantastic. All right people, let's start at the beginning one last time. My name is Gwen Stacy. I was bitten by a radioactive spider. And for the last two years, I've been the one and only Spider Woman. You guys know the rest. And in the comics, she's fantastic.
3: Yeah.
0: In fact, there um, are two great Spider-Women in the new one. Hey! This the spi- pregnant Spider-Woman on a motorbike.
2: Yay!
0: Yeah, it's very good. But the repetition isn't the weakness. The repetition of that opening story, the fact that you can keep going back to it, is because the story's really good.
2: Emotionally and psychologically, for people watching it, it's the origin story that's the most important because yeah. it's an ordinary person yeah. becoming extraordinary. Yeah. Watching the extraordinary person, yeah, fine. Fine. It's, you know, it's yeah. still fun. But it's why Superman is one of the least interesting superheroes because he's a god. What are the good
0: bits of Superman?
3: When Kryptonite turns up. Yeah, exactly. That's his Achilles heel. He is so unstoppable that they had to later on invent Kryptonite because the stories were getting... Nobody cared. There was they no, didn't worry yeah, about exactly. him. Exactly. How can was you they... write a story about a guy who always can do anything right. better than anybody you else? You almost can't. See, right. That's why, says he's segueing into what he wants to talk about. Okay. That's why the Marvel <laughs> characters are
0: so terrific. The story is all about power and impotence, a thing that fascinates all of us as we're teenagers who are wondering what what we'll do with our new bodies and our new brains and our future. We're wondering who we'll be. And that story of you wake up one day and someone says, I know you were overlooked. Here's why you're special. Here's what you might be. Mm. Once you become that person, once you go to the, the magical place, once you're through the wardrobe into Narnia, the interesting thing is the contrast between the ordinary space and the Narnian magical space. Yep. They need to be butting up against each other. And that brings to another thing that's brilliant about Spider-Man is where it's set. It's set very, very solidly in a real bit of real New York that's really identifiable, and you as an urban or suburban kid will relate to it. You need the contrast of the magical world where you have amazing powers, the dream place and the ordinary place. And the moment that you're just in the dream place is boring.
2: And and, and Spider-Man is referred to as your friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man. Yes. In most superhero things, as you say, they stand on top of a tall building saying, I should Protect the world. Yeah. They're talking about protecting the world. It's a massive ego thing. Whereas Spider-Man and Daredevil, and I'm not sure yeah. I'm not sure who else. Yeah. Saying, I'm I'm gonna look after my community.
0: Yes, it's a thing they've done really well in She-Hulk. Yes. She keeps her job. That's true. Yeah. She wants to work for the people around her. Spider-Man in again in the MCU, one of the strange things about Spider-Man in those great big epic Marvel films is he's often defending the world, which Spider-Man doesn't generally doesn't do. do. Spider-Man is generally looking after his local community. And it's just a brilliant thing to say. As a teenager, you can't save the world. Don't put that weight on your shoulders. Just say, do what you can do. Think global, act local. Yeah. It's a very lovely message. Who are you? You know who I am. I do? Your friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man. Another thing you can do with Spider-Man, once you say that, then there have to be thousands of them. Because every neighbourhood needs one. Every neighbourhood needs one. Yeah, And that's the joke in the Spider-Verse movies, is that each one of these fulfills... Two things. One, within universe they look after a certain universe, they look after a certain district, they're looking after a different reality. And let's talk about it in terms of fandom, they represent you. Exactly. So the great thing is representation in Spider-Man is brilliant. So if you're a little nebbishy Jewish science kid who gets sand kicked in the face in 60s New York, you read original Spider-Man and there I am. Yeah. And in the the 90s or 2000s and you're a black kid in Harlem and you read Miles Morales, you go, there I am. And then Spider-Gwen, if you're a girl, she's got ballet shoes on. She's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. There's one for everybody. And, and if Spider- you're made
2: of Lego, there's one for there's you. A Lego.
0: Do you know who animated that Lego bit? Who? My kid told me. 14-year-old. Oh! There's a brilliant bit of Lego of in the new one. And they just said, a kid can do it. Because this is that kid's version. It's the Lego Spider-Man. So brilliant. everyone
3: has their own Spider-Man. I was there when it all happened. I am so sorry. And what dimension
0: are you from? Brooklyn? your local Spider-Man is whichever one you want, whichever one you want to identify with. You want to believe you're inside that costume. That person is you.
3: I never thought I'd be able to do any of this stuff, but I can.
1: Anyone can wear the mask. You could wear the mask. If you didn't know that before,
3: I hope you do now.
2: Also, Spider-Man's powers are quite specific. Yes. And it's summed up in Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah. Where Tom Holland Spider-Man, Tom Holland Peter Parker, in fact, because he hasn't got his suit with him, says to Mysterio... I,
3: I can help! Let me help!
2: I'm really strong and I'm sticky! Can I help? I'm strong and really sticky. <laughs> yeah. And that's it, yeah. yeah. So Spider-Man's just strong and really sticky. He's yeah. not Superman, who can do whatever, anything... Giving your superheroes parameters yeah. is really important. Ant-Man can be big or small. I
0: think it's misunderstood about the good superheroes in that the more you give them various different powers, the more they homogenize. You find actually, if you're designing them, there's a really good Lego Marvel superheroes game. You can design your own Lego Marvel superhero. Brilliant video Ooh. games. And you start giving them a million powers. It gets really boring because they all end up a Superman. They can all fly and fire yeah. weapons out of their eyes. And a lot of the Marvel superheroes eventually become flying things with a ray gun that's very strong. Mm. The ones that change to really interesting stories are the ones with limits. And I would say the stories I've enjoyed most out of those Marvel films recently have been the Hawkeye TV series. Yes. He's just a grumpy guy who can fire arrows. So you go, oh great, he's vulnerable. He's only got one thing. He's really good at one thing. He's a crack shot, but that's it. And Black Widow, great little film because it's all about a woman who's all wounded and is a spy, the end. And Spider-Man, where he can just stick to the wall. He's really sticky. He's quite strong. (laughs) And he can sense things coming closer to him. He's... He's got the sort of superpowers of a cat. There's a brilliant phrase for cats, why cats are so jumpy. They're miso predators. oh, As in they are predators. They are, they've they got sharp teeth, but oh. something can eat them.
2: But in the, yeah, in the middle. Yeah, so they're right. very, very yes. jumpy.
0: Spider-Man is a miso superhero. <laughs> he can definitely be squashed. And it makes him jumpy, agile. He's, can, he's sensitive to You've danger. You've got to work at it. Yeah, and it's very, very... Good to not hyperpower them. The more power yeah. Spider-Man gets, again, play the video games of Spider-Man, the more powered up you get, the more boring the game gets.
2: Yeah, and, you, and when you have you know, the conversation about what, what was your superpower be, yeah. anyone who says all of them yeah. is a dick.
0: Yeah, because also at that point, you're not a human being. You're a god. Yeah. I am not interested in stories of the gods. I'm interested in the stories of the gods when they're busted down to being mortal. Well, yeah, the Bible's interesting. Yeah, I'm interested. Oh, the New Testament's great, it is. It's a result. winner, got a secret identity, fantastic. Yeah.
2: But no mask, though. Yeah,
0: needs a better mask. Needs an,
2: I mean, needs we don't mask. know he
0: didn't have a mask. That's There's true. All the paintings of the Renaissance,
2: that's true.
0: I bet he had a mask. It's like proper wrestling, Jesus, man, yeah, God, God, hyphen Jesus. Man. <laughs> no, that's Mexican wrestler. yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's very like Miles Morales, he's got the Hispanic character. <laughs> so, we're saying Jesus and his secret identity is God, hyphen man, perfect, anyway. But... The stories of gods are boring because they are immortal and nothing can happen to them. Yeah. And the point of being a human is your mortality is what you're aware of and it informs everything. it matters. So being vulnerable and and, and mortal is everything. And so the superheroes, Stanley and Steve Ditko's stroke of genius was to say, can we make them really mortal? Make Mm. them have headaches, nervousness.
3: I was lucky with Peter Parker. He seems to have struck a chord with, with so many readers. And I think it's because... He's probably more like a regular person, a normal person, than any other character.
0: By far the best Iron Man film, I think, is Iron Man 3, where he has uh, panic attacks. Yes. Because, again, there's another human being. I want to relate to that. I want to know what else there is apart from narcissism. Yeah. That's really interesting. Apart from the smug, rich kids. Yeah. It's interesting. You should read stuff into this. And again, why superheroes are really good. They're nice, simple, brightly coloured avatars for how we feel about ourselves.
1: You got any Spider-Man tips you can tell me now? Yeah, I got plenty Disinfect the mask. Mm. You're going to want to use baby powder in the soup, heavy on the joints. You don't want any chafing, right? Anything else? Nope, that was everything.
0: invented in 1962, it's a rush of this astonishing creativity for which they would never be paid properly by Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko, who are the artists at Marvel, and Stan Lee, who's the editor and writer and creative front man for the thing. And they create a bunch of superheroes that then become incredible hot properties. They are currently, in our culture, worth so much in terms of lunchboxes and movies and comic books. and
2: Yeah, they, they sort of reinvent the art form. Yeah. they To the point where they almost invent the art
0: form. Yes, it's a new form of this. It's important to remember, superheroes have existed before because they're invented around the 30s. They're a Depression-era thing. Superman is the really big hit. It goes massive. And then there's a huge rush of superheroes right into the war, which we get Captain America. And then after the war, people lose interest in them completely. Mm. And by about the mid-50s, all the superhero titles have been cancelled and people are into horror and romance. They're not interested in it. And the next wave of, of comics that I've got superheroes in are this wave in the early 60s, 1962. And almost all of the superheroes that Kirby and Dick Cohen Lee invent are gangs. Yeah. They have the Fantastic Four, Bickering Family. They're the Avengers, which is a superhero team-up. It's over. a super group. Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, but flying. They do that. <laughs> and then you get the X-Men, which is another teenage school for weirdos. It's very sort of Hogwartsy. It's a school for kids who don't fit in who suddenly find they can do magic. That's that. But Spider-Man's
2: different because Spider-Man's alone. On his own, completely. And going through my brother's bedroom, the other ones that spoke to me were the Avengers. Yeah. And I think there's something, just to talk about me for a bit, there's something really interesting for me that I picked a gang and a loner. Yeah. Like I was saying, you know, that my siblings are quite tightly grouped and then there's a, a gap in me. Wow. So I was part of a gang. Yeah. But also quite lonely. Right. So, so those were the two poles yeah. that, that, that spoke to me that I got You could be part of this team.
0: Well, they do that a lot in superheroes. When they get a gang of people together, and that is the formula they came up with, with the Fantastic Four, is it's a family. And it is almost a sitcom family. And it's no coincidence that when the Marvel Cinematic Universe starts, they employ a lot of directors and writers from sitcom right. who can yeah. do the bickering of siblings one-on-one. It's a lot of sitcom dialogue that runs, again, Mm -hmm. why Marvel works and DC doesn't is DC doesn't have that fizzy dialogue you get in an episode of Community. Marvel does it very organically because they set them all up as families. Yeah. Because you want something that kids can identify with. And kids can definitely identify with being alone at school or within a family or being rejected, Spider-Man, or being part of a dynamic of people who can't quite get along, which is... Yeah, a gang of friends or a family? Or a family.
1: Sorry, I, I'm confused as to the relationship here. I mean, what, what, what is he, your ward? No.
3: I'm Peter, by the way.
1: Doctor Strange.
3: Oh, you're using their made-up names. Um, I'm Spider-Man then.
2: Yeah, going back to MCU where, where Spider-Man is sometimes part of the Avengers. Yeah. He's, he's not always because he's got to go to school.
0: Yes. Yeah. Can't leave. He's the neighborhood Spider-Man. For a very relatable reason.
2: Because he's got, you know, double physics in half an hour.
3: Hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm running a bit late. I got stuck in some traffic. Your timing is terrible. It started already. I know, I'm sorry. Where are you? First in Broadway, second in Broadway, third in Broadway. Uh, Five minutes, ten tops. Are those sirens?
0: The pull of his secret identity is stronger than everyone else's because he's a teenager. So he hasn't, and,
2: he hasn't got the choices.
0: Yeah, you've got no agency as a teenager. If Spider-Man can fly around the universe and tackle Mysterio in Cuba, that's a very different superhero. Yeah. Spider-Man has to be home. In fact, the beginning of the new Spider-Verse thing is he's tackling all his supervillains and things, but he's supposed to be at school having a, a meeting talk about, about his college. college. college yeah. So he needs to be in two places at once. Yeah. Which I think you feel as a kid, you are changing between someone who will be independent and strong and able to leave but you're also completely anchored to home because you've got nowhere to live, no money, no agency. Totally relatable character for an eight-year-old.
2: Yeah, that pull between you don't have any responsibility, but you also don't have any power. Without responsibility comes no power, um, which um, is less catchy. Yeah, not as good a comic. But, but means that, you know, great power comes great responsibility is really exciting, but also quite, quite a nice lesson. Yeah,
0: I mean, it is all
2: about But yeah, power up. looks really cool. And and you're going to have to pay about, tax. You,
0: you fantasize <laughs> <yeah, you fancy laughs> about having that power. And yeah. yeah, with it will come a lot of paperwork. Mm. With great power comes a lot of paperwork. <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man, as an allegory for growing up, for adulthood, because it's about a kid who becomes a grown-up, is telling you a story that this is going to be complicated. But it's a very relatable story because mm. it's so anchored to home. And it's a lovely practice run. He doesn't do, sometimes in old comics, a kid... Would say a magic word and become an adult. Like there were two bodies. He literally he'd swap. Yeah. And suddenly he's a grown up. A bit like Tom Hanks in Big or Shazam. Yeah. Whereas Spider Man, that's the same kid. The superhero is the same kid. The bubble above his head revealed that he was still Peter Parker while he's doing these amazing things. Yeah. He's still that little kid. The worry went with him into the fights. He never let it go, and that was what it feels like to be a kid. And you, you, you might bring the worries to school, the worries at home, or yeah. worries about your, your,
2: worries about who you are, and things that comes with you. Yeah, you're defeating the big bad. Yeah. But your head's still cooking the homework.
3: Miles's grades are pretty good. A in AP Physics. That's so, my little man. And AP Studio Art.
1: <laughs> he takes after his uncle.
3: A minus in English. She's a tough grader. And a B in Spanish.
1: What? Ooh, okay. Miles. Are you trying to...
3: It's my fault. qué It's not my fault. Bubbles
0: appear above his head saying that still inside that superhero is that worried little kid. Which is how it feels being a grown-up. The the little kid is inside you.
2: Yeah. It's interesting that it appealed to me at eight because it was spot on about being a kid. Yeah. And it appeals to me now because it's spot on about being an adult. Because you're still a kid. Yeah. But with more paperwork. (laughs) Is that true? Or different paperwork. (laughs) There was was loads of paperwork when you... Oh, God. Have you picked up a kid's school bag recently? It's mainly paperwork.
0: It's trying to accustom them to paperwork. Yeah, we're pretending kids don't have paperwork. It's mainly paperwork.
3: (laughs) Is this the room you grew up in? Uh, it, it is, but uh, my, my dorm room is very adult. Right. No, of course. Hey. hey are these your drawings? What? No, oh, no. Good.
0: There's an interesting thing about the paperwork as a kid, though. What do you do to your school books? You cover them in drawings of Spider-Man. <laughs> and I remember yeah. that being a big thing, is the thing you were given all this boring paperwork to your homework, and the back of the school notebook would slowly fill with drawings of superheroes. Yep. And I think one of the things that's brilliant about comics, which doesn't get said enough because they are consumed mainly in our culture through films and film adaptations now, is that they're about drawing. Yes. They're about the fun of drawing, a thing kids can do. You can fantasize, you can draw yourself as a superhero. One of the first things you do as a little tiny kid is you draw yourself as Superman or you draw a really simplified Batman. Yeah. Another reason why they've got wrestling masks. They're really easy for little kids to draw. Much easier to draw than a face. That's true. It's a circle. It's a circle. (laughs)
2: Yeah. <laughs> Any kid
0: aged three or four can draw a recognisable Batman, a Superman because of the cape and the big blue muscles. Yeah, You can do a pretty recognisable superhero. They're designed to be easy to copy.
3: I first gave the strip to Jack Kirby to draw, and Jack drew the first couple of pages, and I was looking over his shoulder and I said, wait a minute, you're, you're still making them too glamorous looking. So I said, ah, oh, forget it, Jack, I'll give it to someone else. So it occurred to me to give it to Steve Ditko. I would say that today's audiences, if they're going to see things like um, the Spider-Man films, uh, they should be painfully aware throughout every moment of the film that this is a character that was created by this extraordinary artist, Steve Ditko.
2: I'm designed to be... In some ways, easy to read, but in other ways, it's, it's really difficult. Yeah. It's a completely different medium to anything else. Yeah. It's not a painting. It's not a book.
0: Oh, it's its own thing. You
2: have to learn how to read them. A lot yeah. of people who
0: say they don't like comics just don't know how to read them. Yeah. And they won't admit that because it's like saying, one of the most embarrassing things to admit is, are you illiterate? And yeah. I love, I love saying, are you comics illiterate? Because these are really easy to read. Yeah. You can read Peanuts. You can read one of these. The original Spider-Man is a nine-frame grid, like Watchmen is. Watchmen's done the same grid as that. There's no big splash pages in early Spider-Man. It is nine frames in order. It's so easy to follow. It later on gets more ambitious, but comics have rules. You have to learn how to do them. It's engaging two bits of your brain at once.
3: In the very beginning, I would come up with a rather detailed plot. Tell Steve what it was. He would draw the strip any way he wanted. I didn't give him a complete script. He'd add a lot of things that I hadn't even thought of. And then I would get the pages of artwork and I would put in the dialogue trying to give everything and everyone the personality that I wanted them to have.
0: The ultimate proof of this is how well the new Spider-Verse movies have transferred the art of reading comics to a motion picture screen. They read the same way. There was a beautiful moment. If you want to understand how much they borrow the language, there's a great scene in the new one where Gwen Stacy and her father, who's a policeman, are estranged. They're opposite sides of her teenage bedroom. It's just a beautiful shot. And there is a panel frame down the middle of the screen. And there's a line where her dad says, are you too angry with me, too teenage, to give your old dad a hug? And before he's got to the word hug, she's hugging him. But what happens on the screen is the frame panel disappears and suddenly she's with him. And you're reading that as a comic book, listening to it as audio, reading it as acting, (laughs) watching the picture, seeing it as animation, the levels... That's about the most sophisticated thing your brain can be asked to understand. And it borrows comics language to do it. Yeah. And you couldn't do it in a live action film, but you could do it in comics. His artwork
3: was superb. His story sense was brilliant. His continuity, he drew things you thought you were watching a motion picture from panel to panel.
2: There's, There's some bits in the new spider-verse film that i found initially mildly jarring until i realized that how faithful to the to comics yeah. it was being so some of the animation yeah, there there was a lot of a lot of jawline being drawn yeah <laughs> and i found that very strange for a minute and then realized that well yeah, it's animating yeah. comic books
0: the two spider-verse movies are described strictly on wikipedia as computer animated films they don't look like toy story or a pixar film right yeah they're not trying to create the illusion of three dimensions most of the time. They're trying to create the illusion of pen and ink and paint, creating the illusion of three dimensions on a page, which is a spectacular decision that probably the last time anyone questioned or asked this stuff was back in the 50s, when Disney were trying to work out where animation would go next.
2: There are some (laughs) extraordinary touches in it that hark back to comics. I mean every now and then there will actually be a panel a thought or a sound effect frame. sound effect frame also there's a party scene on a roof and the backgrounds are ever so slightly off yeah and split into three colors yeah which is often the case in comic books that it's the nature of the printing yeah. was that some of the background stuff got yeah. the magenta and the cyan and the yeah yellow got slightly split. The three plates
0: don't quite line up yeah
2: If you didn't read comics, if
0: all you watched was TV adaptations and film adaptations of comics, until really recently, superhero films would try and simulate the weightless, dynamic feeling of taking a line for a walk, and they do it by putting people on wires, Mm. and it looked like people on wires. Yeah. And my favourite example of that was the Tim Burton Batman films, where they put him in a costume that looked really cool, looked a bit like the Mm. Frank Miller Batman comics. Yeah. But the only reason that guy in the Frank Miller Batman comics is in that costume is it looks really cool when you draw it. Put someone in it in real life. They can't move their head. So I immediately <laughs> think he's really vulnerable to attack from the left and right.
2: Yeah. And he has c- no peripheral vision. Yeah, terrible. For a bat, it's meant to be sensitive to things. <laughs> this is awful.
0: And then they put that cape on him that was like a wet tarpaulin and it weighed him down. Mm. And the cape is in the comic. Yeah. Partly so when someone moves, there's a line behind them. It's a way of showing motion on a static it's a swish. page. Yeah. It's a switch. It's a whiz line. And the amount of comics that is to do with what looks good when a pen dipped in ink is put onto a page, and then it's slavishly copied by the films. It then looks shit.
2: Yeah, there are chunks of Watchmen. Yeah, that make you go, "Oh, this is really, really eggy." And you go back to the comic, and it's frame for frame. Yeah, but it just—you need to move things for the medium.
0: I'm one of those nerds who buys the, the art of books for things I really like. Those big coffee table books that show you all the right. production design sketches. And I love them because they're really scrappy. And they're very often the big splodgy bits of paint and they're full of movement. And it's an artist who very quickly, because it's not going to go to screen, they do a storyboard or a rough character sketch. It's like you see fashion drawings of what a costume looks like. Mm. They're not literal representations of the costume. They show you the move and the line of it. And they are someone's arm with a paintbrush or a pen in it doing a big sweeping art. And you go, oh, I know what you mean by that. Oh, that's wushy. Yeah. The Spider-Verse films don't look like cartoons or CGI. They look like storyboards. They look like they are an artist doing something quickly to show their feelings. Yeah. All the stylistic things aren't about replicating reality. They are about replicating the joy of paint and of a line and of an artist's hand. Yeah,
2: the joy of the art form. Yeah. And by embracing the joy of the art form, they do successfully... Shift it to a different medium. Yeah, totally. Which is at the, um, I mean, other things about the Spider Verse film. We were talking, you know, we talked about the gangs and the loneliness. Yeah. And what Spider Verse does really beautifully is, finally, Spider Man gets to be in a gang. Yeah. Of other Spider Men. Yeah. And women, Spider People, and uh, but they can't be together because they're all in separate universes. So, you've got your tribe. But you can very, very rarely, vanishingly rarely get to them.
0: It's just occurred to me what it is. That's how my kid relates to all their friends. They're all online. Yeah. And, and there's so many kids who relate to people who feel exactly the same as them, who like the same things as them, who understand how they feel. And they might be only over a headset playing a Spider-Man video game. The Spider-Verse is a really good analogue for the online for that, generation. For that.
2: And, and so you've got a double community where you've got yeah. your friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man in Queens. Yeah. And you've got this intangible community that... I mean, literally intangible.
0: Yeah, and and Gwen says to Spider-Man, the reason they're friends and why there's beautiful shots of them together in the new film, only you understand how this feels. And one of the things that happens with the internet and is very misunderstood by any generation who are not Gen Z, is that the real joy of the internet was finding out that you could have nothing in common with anyone in your family, nothing in common with anyone at your school or your class, but something in common with someone you never meet. Yeah. Who is also into... Dungeons and Dragons and Spider-Man cartoons. Yeah. All the Spider-Men in those films and Spider-Women and Spider-People and Spider-Pigs and Spider-Cars, they have something in common. And that is that they all went through the same pain and all went through the same fear and all went through the same guilt. And they're all together, even though they are far apart in different countries, different values, different families. But they've got something in common, which is they all feel the same way. Yeah. And I bet you there's a bunch of kids going to see this who went, yeah, that's what the pandemic felt like.
2: Absolutely. And it's incredibly intersectional, isn't it? Mm. Our generation had this too, but previous generations even more so. If you weren't a straight, white, cis man, there was something wrong with you. Yes. And now you can find your tribe on the internet, maybe, but also uh, people around you who are in that tribe are allowed out, Yes, are allowed to say so. Yes. That in a way that they weren't before. And so actually it's, you find those things in common and you find that the norm isn't that normal.
3: Can, can we wind it back to the I'm lame part? Because you are not. No, thanks. No, yeah, I appreciate it. I'm not saying I'm lame. I'm but just it's saying it's just a like, self-talk maybe we should, you yeah, know. Listen. Because uh, you're, you're amazing. Just to take it in for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can take You, it. No, can take you it. It. are amazing.
2: And I mean, lots of the things I'm talking about that drew me to Spider-Man when I was eight There is no way I could have told you when I was eight. All of this is 40 years later. Yeah. It's almost reverse engineering. these things. So none of them might be the case, but it makes a lot of sense.
0: I think you see something in it. And again, the, the simplicity of, again, the simplicity of comics, the simplicity of the storytelling, the simplicity of the drawings, the simplicity of the costume, the fact you can project yourself. It's so much of it is about representation and identification. And the spider verse thing is about a really interesting thing. This multiverse that's suddenly taken over and if you're not a fan, you might go, what? There's 4,000 in there. You're going to tell me the story of 4,000 individual <laughs> spider And each time it's going to be exactly the same. And you go, yeah, and ever so slightly different. Yeah. It is about diversity. It's about there's a single shared thing that they are a Spider-Man of some sort. And it doesn't matter if you're from Mumbai or you're from Queens. The experience is the same. You have something in common with each other. And you'll tell the story and you'll tell it in your own way. It could be anyone okay, of that everyone. mask. And if it could yeah. be anyone of that mask, it could be you. You will see yourself represented. You will be seen. Yeah. And that sense of diversity also reflects back on the creators. And one of the reasons that you would do a multiverse, and why comics embrace this multiverse, is that comics are not authored a lot of the time. They're made by a company, which means that dozens and dozens and dozens of different writers will use those characters to tell their stories. And the multiverse is a way of saying, hey, we just hired an Asian writer and they want to do a version of it. Yeah. And the answer is, yeah, you can
2: yeah absolutely which is amazing yeah and that there's enough latitude within the stories they talk about canon in the Spider-Verse and so there are certain things you have to hit outside that it's yours yes you are you are allowed it comic writer comic um, illustrator and now they're saying everyone it's yours in the way that you know a a great production of Hamlet yeah you have a moment of thinking I am Hamlet yes and with Spider-Man you have the same thing and it's a it's a Truly, truly beautiful thing. And it's a really good lesson. So, there's towards the end of the Spider Verse film, Mars Morales meets an alternative version of himself in a different yes. universe where things have turned out ever so slightly different yeah. and he is completely different. Yeah. And one of the great lessons, I think, of the multiverse theory and as expressed through the Spider Verse films is. Yes, your choices make you, but you don't know what they are. You don't know which of the choices are going to make you. Yes. So there's some freedom in that. I'm someone who second guesses myself constantly because I'm full of Catholic shame. And (laughs) at 47, Spider-Man again is freeing me up with just make the choice. Don't get stuck in the choice making because you will make a choice. And somewhere, somewhere out there, there'll be another me. Yeah going down a slightly different path.
0: There's not a correct version of this. Exactly. I yeah. love that. The, None of the...
2: it's right. I've just done a play, and one of the things we talked about in that was there aren't good and bad choices. There are helpful and unhelpful choices. And I think that's a helpful thought. Uh,
0: there's not an ideal version of this where it goes right. The original version of Spider-Man where he keeps making mistakes. He's, yeah. He's always scrambling to up. Spider-Man capture.
2: screws up all the time, but he's doing his best and yeah. he'll he will, you know, somehow make it work
0: and the ultimate expression of that now is this very very big multiverse version of spider-man that says there are millions of you out there making those different decisions and the idea that all of those will end up somewhere perfect neat and right that's Mm. ludicrous yeah well all of you are allowed to make different decisions and all of you are allowed to be spider-man in your own different way
2: and they express that freedom in the form as well it sounds like it could be sort of by numbers here's a you know here's a Uh, A black Spider-Man and a woman Spider-Man, and but there's a there's a Leonardo da Vinci yeah Spider-Man. There's Lego Spider-Man. There's one on a horse, where the the horse has a mask. Yeah, there's one that's a car. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, And uh, in terms of the animation itself, yeah, it's utterly freeing. That here are some parameters. Go within those. Go wild. It's like watching. Uh, take
0: Heart or an Art Attack or whatever your art program was you watched on TV as a kid. Okay, sometimes it's potato prints.
2: Yeah. It's really free. There's, there's a punk Spider-Man who's done uh, entirely in punk cut-ups.
0: It, like, it looks like Jamie Reid. And yeah. You know, beautiful things in that. Do you know Spider-Man, Miles Morales is animated on twos? So he every two frames, Miles moves until he becomes Spider-Man when he's animated on one. It moves smoothly. Ooh. So Miles is a bit jerky until he gets to be Spider-Man when he goes faster. And punk Spider-Man played with Daniel Kaluuya, who's amazing who's in this. brilliant really it. Superb bit of characterization. Yeah. He's animated bits of him on three, bits on two, bits on one. Yeah. He won't conform.
2: It's perfect. I think
0: his guitar on his back is animation on a different cycle. So basically none of him fits. Yeah. And the idea is he doesn't fit in. He refuses to conform. Yeah. So even down to which frames the animation changes on is a way of expressing things. So the idea at the end of this is it's impossible to do wrong. And what a great thing. You know, a story that's about guilt and shame and what you do wrong and the wrong decisions you make. These multiverse films say, look at all the different things. None of these are wrong. Yeah. Even the ones who are a pig, nothing's
2: wrong. (laughs) Everyone keeps telling me how my story is supposed to go. Nah, I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah, it's a a wonderful thing. And I I feel like I should should make a quick caveat. All the talk of the Catholic guilt and shame and family and all that kind of stuff. A couple of things about my mum, who is extraordinary, and very Catholic, but not, you know, yeah. part of the problem. When we were growing up and my brother was reading lots of comics, she went into his school for a parent's evening. And the English teacher was a, bit, a little bit head in hands saying, he just reads comics. Yeah. And mum said, but he reads. Yes. So she got it. Yeah. Which is brilliant. And then I was talking to her last week when there was a big hoo-ha at the Oxford Union about a gender critical academic speaking. Yeah. And I, we were watching the lunchtime news, and this was on a mum who's eighty-five and tremendously establishment, quite quite posh, said to me this trans thing. I, I thought, oh god, <laughs> okay, here we go. I said, I, you know, this day was always coming. <laughs> yeah, she said. So they're saying gender is a spectrum. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what that's what they're saying. Yeah. Well, it seems blindingly obvious to me. Ah, <laughs> so, oh, yes She's a
0: magnificent woman. You want to hear that? I think that is you are seeking that affirmation that not fitting in or being different or being yourself is okay. yeah, as a kid a lot because you're worried you might let your parents down. And you might still be
2: doing that as an adult, possibly. The
0: the way you just told that story implies that you're really worried that who you are might might disappoint (laughs) your mum still.
2: Yeah.
0: And the great thing about comics and this voice that was invented by these guys to make Spider-Man, it's incredibly comforting for kids to go, oh, I didn't fit in. Yeah. And then it's been built on and built on and built on by other artists who've added more and more layers to it. But again, not more complication. They tell the same story again and again from those different angles and eventually you get to go and watch something like we we went last night, the two of us together got yes. to Spider-Verse. And the message was look at this dazzling array of variety and possibility, all telling the same story. Yeah. Literally on screen, a comic will appear and they'll say, Hello, I am so and so, I am Spider-Man, here's my story. And it's like a lot of alcoholics. <laughs> this is my story. In fact at some yeah. point, is this an intervention? <laughs>
2: There's, a, there's, re- there's even a, there's a Spider-Man psychotherapist at one yes, point where
1: yeah.
2: where Spider-Man's lying on a couch and, and saying... So, and then I looked at my uncle
1: and... Uh, let me guess. He died.
2: Don't tell me. He died? Yeah. <laughs> so Ditko and, and Lee created this... I don't, I don't think intentionally, but created this infinitely malleable character who luckily has been taken to a point where they're... Now the epitome of inclusivity, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Which I didn't realise would be the case when I was eight. And liked the stories, and liked that he was funny.
0: He could climb up walls. But you you liked that he was sticky. I I liked that he he was sticky. sticky. He was funny
2: and sticky, and that is what I try to be. Well,
0: (laughs) I'm so glad that you've achieved your ultimate (laughs) form.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a hot day. I am both funny and sticky. Thank you very much for bringing in Funny Sticky Spider-Man.
1: Yay! Yay! How do I know I'm Spider-Man? You won't. That's all it is, Miles. A leap of faith. Like, what's up, danger? danger? Like, what's up, Danger.
3: Spider-Man and his amazing friend.
0: Comfort Blanket was presented and produced by Joel Morris for the Cheese and Pickle family of podcasts. Find us on social media and don't forget to like and subscribe.